Well, good morning. I am glad to see you here today. We're going to talk about something that uh, I believe is very, very important to all of us. You know, Solomon, when he wrote the, the book of Ecclesiastes, said something really strange. He said, at least seems strange to us, seems strange to me, he said, it's better to go to a funeral than to a wedding. Do you feel that way, Kent? <laughs> I, would you rather go to a funeral or a wedding? Well, I'd much rather go to a wedding, right? Well, why would the wisest man that ever lived say it's better to go to a funeral than a wedding? That doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But I believe the Scriptures do teach us how to have a mindset that's different than the mindset that we normally have in this world. His father, a guy by the name of King David, said this. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we can have wisdom. What does that mean to number your days? Do you know how long you're going to live? I don't know how long I'm going to live. You know, when we look at at life, teach us to number our days. You all recognize that picture, don't you? That's Kenley up there. She's just a baby. Just a tiny little baby. And we look at that and we say, isn't that sweet? And doesn't she have, oh, what a life she has ahead of her. She's got so many years and so much. This is supposed to represent up here on top kind of a timeline. How long do you think Kenley could live? Think she could live 70, 80 years, 90 years? Maybe a hundred. You know, the oldest living person right now, according to Guinness Book of World Records, and I don't, you know, there may be different. Is that lady right there, Misao Akwa, or Akawa, or something like that. She's 115 years old. And they've got records going all the way back showing that she's really 115 years old. And that's the oldest they can prove. There may be somebody a little bit older than her, but not a whole lot. You know, throughout the world, if you take people from all different nations, and it's different in different places. In Nigeria, average life expectancy is 47 years. But if you take it throughout the world and you average it out, men are going to live an average of 68 years and women an average of 73 years. Now, that's worldwide. Somebody says, yeah, but this is this is a civilized country. This isn't Nigeria. We live a little better. We've got better health care and all this stuff here in America. In America, the average age that you can expect to live, the age that Kinley can expect to live is 78.7 years. That's the average lifespan in America. Now... Solomon, I told you, said it's better to go to a funeral than a wedding. His father said, teach us to number our years. His father said this, The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. That was written about four or five thousand years ago. Now, I know in the Bible you can read about people that lived 900 years and stuff like that. But since about the last four or 5,000 years, you know, despite all of the medical progress and all of that, yeah, you'll have an occasional person that lives really long. 
But despite all of that, the average for people is around 70 to 80 years. That's what David said a long time ago, and that's still the case today. So, teach us to number our days. We've got from birth to age 70, maybe all the way over here to 115. Now, we're going to say that we're not going to go to 115 because we're just going to stop it at the average for the United States. That's 78.7. And let's think about our years. Let's just imagine that you today, and we've got some here that are this age, say you're 17 years old today. Your life is 25% over. One-fourth of it's gone. Now, 17 seems young, doesn't it? I mean, it seems young to me. 17 seems full of life and vigor and, man, things are going to be great. 25% of it's gone according to the average way you live. Say you're 35 years old. 35 years. How old are you, Jeremy? 35. I'm 35 more. <laughs> okay. Half of it, 50% statistically speaking, 50% of your life is over. Now, that's a, that's a little sobering thought, isn't it? Sorry, Yancey. <laughs> 52 years old. I'm 51, Yancey's 52. (laughs) According to statistics, 75% of your life is over by the time you reach age 52. You know, we could go on and look at all of that. James said this, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, we've got members here today who are older than 70, older than 78, and what a blessing that is. But you can, I guarantee you, if you don't think some of this is true, you talk to them after church, life vanishes away, doesn't it? Just seems like it's just fleeting, and it just goes away. That's why Solomon said, teach us to number our days, or David said that. I believe that's what Solomon was talking about, about a funeral. Not that a funeral is more fun, but that a funeral teaches us to number our days. It teaches us to have a serious view of life, that life is not just going to go on forever. And what I do with what I have left matters. Because all I've got is what I have left. Now, we know what that timeline, statistically, we know to get 70 years, some people got to die at 60 and some people at 80. You may not make that 70, but that's just statistically what, what we think we can expect. Now, with that in mind, the writer of the book of Hebrews said this, He said, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
He describes life as a race. Do you ever think of life as a race? You say, well, I've run a few of those. Amber ran a race yesterday. Did she make the finish line? She did. <laughs> okay. When, when you run a race, he's not saying that you're going to run races in your life, although a lot of us do. What he's saying is that your life is like a race and death is, to a Christian, death is a finish line. Death is something that I'm headed toward. Death is somewhere where I'm going. It's not something I'm trying to stay away from. Can you imagine how long it would take you to run a 5K if you tried to stay away from the finish line? <laughs> you, you couldn't get... That's not running a race. Running a race is setting your mind and your eyes on that finish line and running just as hard as you can to get to the finish line because that's where the reward is, is in finishing the race. The reward is in the finish line. The reward is not in the race. You know, there's another passage similar to this. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, what he's saying there is all this is going to burn, right? It's all going to burn up and no matter how fancy and how how impressive the things we do are in this world, even the whole world, it's just going to burn up. You know, I'd like to see Mount Rushmore. I've never seen Mount Rushmore. They carved those statues or those faces up in that big cliff up there in the rocks. But the reality is, someday, Mount Rushmore is going to burn like a piece of tissue paper. It's going to be gone. Now, thinking about that, the next part of this verse says this, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. He says, since you know this is all going to burn up, and everything you do and everything you accomplish in this life is going to be gone, and everything you have is going to be gone, since you know that, what kind of person should you be? What kind of person should you be? How should you live? And then he says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Looking for, does that mean, that means looking forward to, thinking about, looking for it and hastening. Do you know what hastening means? That means hurry up. You need to hurry up. Now, let me ask you, honestly, I ask you about the funerals and the weddings. Do you look for this day? Do you think, man, I can't wait till he burns all this up. Do you hasten to the coming of the day of the Lord? Do you wish it would come quickly? Yet that's what the Bible tells us to do. He says, wish it would come quickly. Look forward to it. Think of it coming. The Apostle Paul, talking about these same concepts, talked about a problem that we have in living our lives. You know, when I think about the Apostle Paul, don't you know he had some stories? Wouldn't you like to just sit down with the Apostle Paul and listen to his stories? 
Listen to him tell you, oh man, I'll tell you what, I preached the gospel to Caesar. I stood right in front of him and I told him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there was that time we were shipwrecked and ended up on this island. I preached to every one of them on that island the gospel. And then this snake bit me. I just shook it off in the fire. And everybody said, oh, you're a god. And I said, I'm not a god. Let me tell you about the real god. And can't you just imagine the stories? The good stories. And then the bad stories. Can't you imagine his sorrow as he would tell you about Stephen? Yeah, I remember that day. I heard that sermon that he preached. And I gave my voice against him and held their clothes as they killed the man. And I persecuted Christians. And I... You know, Paul had gone through all kinds of things. And that guy said this, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, this world wants you and me to look at the past. They want us to look at our failures, and they want us to look at how we've messed up, and they want us to get all fixated on that. Or they want us to look at our victories and the successes we've had and our greatest day and get all fixated on that. And Paul says, you know something? I don't care about that. That's the past. I'm going for the finish line. I'm looking at the future. I'm looking at my eternal where I'm going to end up. I'm looking at the way I'm going to end and I'm running and I'm straining for that line as I'm running this race to try to get to the very end. Because that's where the prize is. That's where I'm going to live my life. My real life. Not just this life that we have here. I've got an illustration that I want to use with you this morning. I'm going to hope that I can get this stretched out here and not all tangled up. We've got a rope. Looks like I'm getting it tangled up, doesn't it? Now, you see this rope here? Got a lot of rope. This rope represents your life. And it goes on forever. Now really, it just goes back in that room there. But I want you to just imagine that this rope goes on forever and ever and ever. And it never stops. And this rope represents the amount of time that you're going to be alive. Millions and millions and millions of years. This, and you all see the blue here on the end of the rope? You all see that? This represents the amount of time you're alive 
here on this earth. And what the Bible teaches you and I, what God teaches us, is that what you do right here determines where you're going to spend forever. So what you do right here makes a difference. And you get one shot. You get one chance to do this. And when that one chance to do this is over, then all of the rest of this is set. And this is never going to be changed once this is over. But you get this one shot. And the way we live is so crazy. Because we're going to go right here and we're going to get all bent out of shape about decisions we make here because they're going to affect this right here. And, oh, you can't do that here because you know what that's going to do to this little piece right here at the end? And it's just this little piece right here at the end, you see? It doesn't matter the things that happen in here as long as what I'm doing in here sets me for all of the rest. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying right here, you know, people people spend their whole lives and they work so hard from here to here so they can really enjoy this right here. <laughs> Doesn't that make a lot of sense? Isn't that crazy? So when you change your perspective about life and you think about what reality is and how this is forever and this is what God teaches us in the Bible that we need to focus on is this forever right here. And that's what Paul says, I run and I forget, I forgot all that stuff that happened there because you know what? I'm looking at this and I'm not worried about this. Now, I'm not telling you decisions you make here won't affect here. They will. But the decisions you make here determine all of this. And that's what Paul is talking about. When you live your life, the perspective changes. When I'm thinking about this, and I get an extra thousand dollars here, what am I interested in doing with that thousand dollars? Maybe something that will affect this instead of something, goodness, instead of something that's going to affect this. No matter what it is that I have in my life, the time that I spend, the money that I spend, the effort that I put out, shouldn't be about this. It should be about this. And I believe that's what Paul was talking about. I believe that's what Solomon was talking about. I believe that if in my mind I focus on this instead of that, my decisions change. My values change. The things I'm interested in so much change. Because I'm looking for and heading toward the future. And I forget all this stuff around me here. Because this is just the temporary peace. He goes ahead and says this, The time of my departure is at hand. And I've fought a good fight and I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who've loved His appearing.
He says, you see, I'm running for that finish line. And when I get there, I'm going to throw my hands up in victory and hold that trophy because I was running for the rest. I was not running for the here. Now, it's the very same man who said all of that, who said what I chose to title my sermon with. Seeing then... See then that you walk circumspectly and not as fools. That word circumspect, circum means around like circumference. Circum and spect means looking. He says you need to be aware of what the reality is. You need to keep your eyes on on what matters. You need to look around and, and be wise and realize that nothing that happened in the past matters. What matters is getting to that finish line, being faithful, being able to say with Paul, I've kept the faith and I've finished my course and I've finished the race. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm not building an empire in my little blue. I'm building for forever. Walk circumspectly. That's what makes us wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time means buying it back, making it profitable, using it for something that's of value. You know, when I'm standing before Jesus, all the stuff I did in my life, all of that stuff, it's either going to be something He rewards me for, or it's going to be something I regret. And as I stand before the Lord, am I going to be so proud that I saw 7,000 movies? Isn't that going to be great? Am I going to be so proud that I never missed a Cowboys game? None of that stuff's going to make any difference. Those will be sources of regret and not sources of reward. And we live our lives for the source of reward for the resulting end effect that I've run this race and my eyes are on the goal and I'm never, ever, ever going to stop until I finish. So teach us, Lord, to number our days. They go away. I don't know where you are on that list of days. You don't either. That's the thing. If you know you could die tomorrow... Isn't it crazy to live like you won't? Because you could, and you just don't know. So my encouragement to you today is to number your days. Those of us who are getting older know our days are shorter. Those who are young may have short days. Those in the middle could be short, don't know. Number your days. Don't forget that what you're running for is that final, final finish line where the reward comes. I hope you've been encouraged. If there's any way we can offer spiritual assistance to you today, we offer a song of invitation if you'll make that need known while we stand and sing.